0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous
1: broadcast, I was speaking about Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, with reference to the love of money. And in the previous broadcast, I was explaining some important fundamentals concerning money and how people acquire money and why they may perhaps have a love of money because they do have a dependency quite often on the things that can be purchased with money that they might be able to acquire. In Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 5, it says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And in the previous broadcast, I ended with the subject of Joseph, and that's where I'd like to pick up in this program, is to talk about Joseph just for a minute, in the sense that the Lord gave Joseph direction and instruction concerning what he should do in light of events that were about to unfold. The Lord our God has given us this earth. He has given us a vast amount of resources that we have at our disposal in this earth. And because of that, we can make use of these resources for our own personal survival. But, of course, we do have to take action and make use of these resources. And we do have to be very wise concerning the decisions that we make with these resources because we can easily fail. Failure is a very common experience in humanity, in the history of humanity, lots of people have experienced a great amount of failure. Failure is definitely a concern. And so we have to be very wise concerning the decisions that we make because there is always a substantially high risk of failure, and the result of that can be catastrophic. It can result in death due to starvation or due to slavery or war. There are many ways that people can suffer as a result of poor decisions. But with reference to Joseph, the thing that I really want to mention is that the Lord told him that for seven years there would be plenty, and then in the following seven years there would be very little, because a famine was approaching. He gave Joseph that information and Joseph acted on that information. And the action, of course, was to save a portion of what he was able to acquire during the seven years of plenty so that he would have something, he would have enough to be able to survive during the seven years that there was little. And that was the emphasis that I placed in the previous broadcast, that during times of plenty, it's very important to put aside a portion of what you have in order to prepare for the times when there is little. Because if you don't do that, then you will suffer. You will suffer a great deal during those times when there is very little. Now, the thing that I really want to emphasize in this broadcast is that you don't wait until the seventh year to start preparing. Joseph didn't wait until the last year. He didn't wait until the last minute to start making decisions concerning how he would be prepared for the next seven years. If you wait until the last minute to do pretty much anything, virtually anything, then you should probably have noticed that you waited too long. This is a general fundamental rule that if you wait until the last minute to do something, chances are it's going to take a little bit longer in terms of how much time it takes or resources that is required. It's going to take a little bit longer than what you had anticipated. You're not going to be able to succeed in getting things done on time. That's a reality of life that I understand a lot of people can probably relate to, that when people live this way, you will pay for that. And if you don't pay for that, somebody else is going to pay for that. That's really important to understand and very difficult for people to see, especially when there are plenty of other people who will pay the price and not necessarily let others know that it was actually their fault, that they're experiencing a greater amount of suffering in their life. These are realities that are very difficult for people to see when they are procrastinating, I suppose is the word that I could use concerning this. It's important to see this, though, in this context, that if you wait too long, then the results can be very catastrophic. It's an important thing to recognize. Benjamin Franklin said it this way. He said, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. You see, there's never really a lack of planning or a true failure to plan. That's kind of unusual. In most cases, people actually plan not to plan. I know that sounds a little bit odd, but I have found personally that many people who fail to plan don't fail to plan because they didn't have the opportunity to plan. They failed to plan because they made a choice. They made a decision during the time that they should have been planning not to do so. And because of that, they have effectively planned to experience failure. But again, there are other people who may be in their life who can absorb that, suffer for that, and help the individual who failed to plan to recover from that in such a way that they probably won't have to experience a whole lot of loss themselves. There's another way of looking at this, and that is to say that what the wise man does today, the fool will do tomorrow. Or what the wise man does in the beginning, the fool does in the end. These are a few of the sayings that often come up in the back of my mind whenever I see circumstances of life that could be used as examples concerning these things. But please understand, I'm not saying this in order to make anybody feel guilty if you struggle with these things. I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. I only want to establish the reality that if you fail to take action in your life, then you will suffer. And others will suffer along with you. And it's a very important thing to realize because when things fail, when we experience failure, when people experience failure in their job or in their home or when they experience failure in other aspects of life, it's very easy for people to then blame God for their failure or make an appeal to God to give them some kind of an explanation as to why there was a failure when in reality it could just simply be their fault. And let me tell you something, folks, it won't matter who you are able to blame at that point. It won't matter if you admit fault or you don't admit fault, you are going to be the one to suffer. There are many people who believe in trust in other people, for example, or they believe in trust in other institutions or other agreements that have been made concerning their welfare and their future. But I sincerely believe that many of these agreements will be broken. Many of these things will be disclosed to be total deceptions, total lies. People will recognize that they have been robbed, and there is nothing that anyone will be able to do about it at all. And people will blame anyone that they can think of. People will look for blame anywhere that they can find it. But folks, I have to tell you that in most cases in my life, There have been a couple of exceptions, but I'm going to tell you, in most cases in my life, when I have been the victim of somebody else's deception or lie, it was my fault. In most cases, it was my fault because I could have found out. I could have figured out that they were lying to me. I could have figured out that they were being deceptive. I could have figured that out, and I made a decision not to bother to really consider what the results could actually be in the future. I was so blinded by what I thought I would be able to obtain that I didn't realize the risk of what I could actually lose, and I have lost a lot. I have lost many things in very profound ways, folks. I know what it is to be reasonably wealthy, and I know what it is to be totally poor. I know exactly what it's like to be homeless and on the streets with nothing but what you can carry. And I also know what it's like to live in a nice home with plenty of food to eat and plenty of cars to drive in case one or two of them breaks. I know what it can be like to live in the entire spectrum of life. And today I have a very pleasant life, but I certainly don't have a lot of resources in comparison with what I've had in the past. But you know what? I have enough I have enough today, that is, and I'm very thankful for what I have, and I'm very thankful for what I can do with what I have, especially when it comes to the welfare of my wife and children. But regardless of these things, it's important to understand that there is a tremendous amount of risk, and regardless of the risk, if you fail, chances are you are going to be the one who is responsible, because you placed your trust, you probably, you placed your trust in a person. You placed your trust in a business. You placed your trust in a government. You placed your trust in someone else besides your God. And even for us who place our trust in our God, sometimes we trust or we believe that he's going to do something that he never promised, that he never guaranteed. What I understand, what I believe, this is what I believe, that my God has given me plenty of resources that I can gain access to in this earth. And even if I don't have ownership of them... I can still make agreements with those who do have ownership of them. There are always options. There are always things that I can do. And he has given me the opportunity to learn and to gain education, either by paying somebody else to teach me or by searching through books or other resource materials to teach myself, if I don't have the time or the money to be able to pay somebody else to help me with that. I can do that on my own. I have done things like that on my own, and the Lord has given me all that I need in order to continue to exist, to continue to live. And so I sincerely believe, given the profound evidence that I believe is before us, that we are all faced with these choices in our life and that we have to make decisions concerning what we are going to do and what we are not going to do. And I do pray that if you have experienced great failures in your past, that you will learn from those failures, learn from them in such a way that you can take what you have learned and build a new life for yourself and prosper with the opportunities that our God has given to us. Now, I do realize that we are not alone. I do. I realize that we are not alone, that there are people all around us, and certainly there are many things that people can do to us. That's true. They can steal from us. They can lie to us, deceive us, things like that. I understand that we're never going to be able to escape all of these things. I'm not wanting to give the impression that we can. But in context of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, it says that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And like I said, well, man can do a lot to me. But again, the Lord is my helper. And regardless of what man will do to me, the Lord will help me. He helps me all the time. He has helped me in the past, and I expect he will still continue to help me in the future. But the kind of help that he gives is not always the kind of help that people assume that he's going to give. And that's my point, is that you must understand that he gives us everything we need, and we get to engage this world Out of the abundance of what we have, that that is the type of help that I believe we need to all recognize because I believe that is what he has given to all of us. Now, I do believe also that he can divinely intervene in individuals' lives. I have seen him do that in my own life and give me extra help, special help. I do believe that he can do that, but I certainly do not obligate him. I do not believe he is obligated to respond to me, divinely intervene at those appropriate times to ensure that I can pay all of my debts, for example. I don't believe that he's obligated to do that, and I certainly will not feel as though he has failed if that does not happen. The reality is, is that he is my helper, but not always in the way that I want him to help me, but it will always be in the way that is right true, and I will never say otherwise. Now, there's another way to look at these two verses, verses 5 and 6 in Hebrews chapter 13 and I believe that this really is the most important way of viewing these verses. While I've spent a lot of time talking about money and the fact that people may have a love of money, well the reason why is because of the security and the safety that they can obtain and yet there is great risk because of the other people who are around us. And so I wanted to explain how there are risks and why there are risks and where there are risks and why people would have a love of money because it can provide them with some extra time to get over the problems and get over the deceptions and get past things in order to rebuild a new life for themselves, or it can provide them with a certain degree of freedom and liberty so that they do not have to depend on others in terms of importing and exporting in order to obtain the things that we actually need in order to survive. But beyond that, I believe that there's another way of looking at this, and that's what I would like to spend the rest of this broadcast referring to, and that is that what we have, what we truly have besides what is in the world is him. We have our God. And that is a completely different point of view when it comes to verses 5 and 6. The first point of view that I've spent a lot of time referring to is with reference to the world that he has provided, the earth that he has provided, and the natural resources that we have at our disposal. That That is certainly one way to look at it. But there is something beyond the creation, and that is the Creator himself. The Creator, He is greater than all that He has created. He is greater than all of the resources that we could possibly find or acquire or accumulate to ourselves. That there is something about Him that is greater than all. What I'm referring to is another aspect of life that has nothing to do with our physical needs, but has to do with our spiritual needs. You see, our spiritual needs are within us we were created to have spiritual needs. These needs are the need to be loved and the need to be accepted, the need to have some sense of meaning and understanding concerning the world that we are a part of, the need to have purpose in our life, the need to have safety and security is actually more of a spiritual need, I believe, than a physical need. There are other needs that we have, such as for respect and for honor. There are needs that we have that our God has given to us that are outside of the needs of our flesh for survival. These are greater needs, greater needs in the sense that this has to do with the core of our being, with who we are as a person. They have to do with where we will spend eternity concerning who we depend on and trust in when it comes to the issues of the heart and of the mind. This is something else. And it's very easy to be very consumed With the things of the world and to be afraid of other people because of our preoccupation with our physical needs. But there are spiritual needs that people can take advantage of even beyond that. Not just our physical needs, but people can take advantage of us by using our spiritual needs to manipulate us, to deceive us even more. Not because of our need to eat and drink or have shelter or have clothing or energy, but because of other needs that we have. That if you accomplish these things or if you engage in a certain kind of business or if you engage in this contract, then perhaps other people will like you more. Things like that are much more deceptive and are not normally presented openly. But the deepest needs of our heart are often manipulated by other people, either intentionally or unintentionally. And because of that, we should be even more afraid of other people. But the Lord is our helper. He is our helper because he is the one who meets the deepest needs of our hearts. I sincerely believe that this is the primary way that we are to view Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6. Yes, certainly, the physical aspects of life are very real, and I do believe that people can relate to that. But the spiritual issue, I think, is even greater and a lot more valid, that the Lord is my helper because he meets the deepest needs of my heart. And let me tell you something, I've made a lot of really poor decisions in my life just because of the needs of my heart and my belief that these needs would be met through my making the kinds of decisions that I did. And of course, I made those decisions and I suffered because of them. But even if I succeeded, it's still wrong. It's still totally wrong. Even if success is achieved, that can be a greater deception because there are spiritual needs that we have and we must always turn to our God to meet them. There is no other. There will never be any other. He has reserved this for himself and he will not share this power with anyone else. So, considering that point of view, I'm going to start again in verse 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. Well, what do you really have? You have Him. You have your God. If you are born again by the Spirit of God, if you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within you, if that's what you have, if He is who you have, then you are free. You are free from the world. If you rest in and you trust in and you abide in all that he has for you, you will discover that he gives you all that you need for life and godliness. And if you discover that and if you rest in that, then you will be free from the love of money because of that, because you will be free in the sense that you will no longer have the same dependencies on money as you thought that you had once before. Yes, you may go hungry. Yes, you may have trouble finding shelter. I understand that. I know what that's like. I've gone hungry. I've gone without shelter. But I have done so with my God within me. And I can say with great conviction, this is my testimony that my God has always been enough for me. And he always will be to the extent where I will never have to love money, thinking that it will be the answer to all things in my life because I know better. He has shown me otherwise, and I see no way that any other can possibly deceive me from the truth that he has revealed, that he is enough. So if you want your character to be free from the love of money, you don't look at this and say, here is the law, the commandment, be free from the love of money, squint your eyes, take a deep breath and hold it, and grind your teeth telling yourself you will no longer love money, you will no longer love money, that is not going to work, my friend, There must be some other way that this can be accomplished that is beyond the exercise of the flesh, and this is the only way. You must experience a changed heart, which only happens from a fulfilled heart, which only happens when he who can fill it does so. As far as I can tell, there is no other way. And if there is no other way, and you trust in this, then you can understand what he says when he says... Being content with what you have, because if you know what you have, if you grow to discover and trust in and abide in and make use of what you have in Christ Jesus because of what He's done for you, because of all that He has given to you, then you will know contentment. Only then will you know contentment, and only then will you be set free from the love of money because your character will be changed by the presence of him and the presence of all that he has given to you through his character, through his very being. And then you will know what he means when he says, for he himself has said, I will never desert you. What does that mean? He says, I will never desert you in the sense that I will always provide you with whatever your flesh needs. No, he says, I, that's him. That's not his cow. That's him. It's not his storehouse. It is not his bank account. It's him. He, he is the one who will never desert you. So even if you starve to death and die, he will still be with you. He still will not desert you. You will be with him in the kingdom of heaven. And when that happens, you will be very thankful. Trust me, you're not going to look back and say, you know, Lord, I think you really disappointed me. I feel disappointed. I should be back there on earth. I want to go back. You know, I don't think anybody is going to be saying that to their God when they see him. I certainly can't imagine saying that to him. I can say things like, you know, I wish I could have spent a little bit more time there so that I could tell other people about you, but I understand that it's my time to be here, and boy, I am thankful, and no, I'd rather not go back. Thank you very much. I'll just stay here because I understand that there are plenty of other people who are still there, and if they weren't there, I know you personally would show up and deal with the concerns people's hearts and so knowing this i know that there is no need to be afraid because he is the one he is the one who will never leave me and again that doesn't mean that i have to be afraid that i will never have the means of survival this only means that in the midst of all the tribulations of life that we are going to experience he will always be there with us Now, again, I do believe that he has provided us with plenty of information, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that we can make sound decisions. And with these decisions, I do believe that we will avoid many of the problems that we can easily face in our life while we are here on earth. And I do understand that it does not always work out that way. But regardless of what may happen, he will still be with you. He will always be with you. And instead of being afraid, you should be thankful for the failures and the successes, and ask Him to use these circumstances of life to show you more about who He is as a person. If you grow to know Him more, then there never will be failure. I tell you this from my own personal life, and that is that much of the wisdom that I have that I have been sharing with people through this radio broadcast has been the result of dramatic failure in my own life. And through those failures, my God showing me more about who he is as a person. And through all of those experiences, and through the revelation of who he is to me, in light of those experiences, I speak to people about who he is from a deeper sense of conviction than I certainly would otherwise. You know, most everything that I have been telling people throughout the course of the ministry that I've been actively involved in has certainly not come from any books. You know, people write me quite often or they call me every once in a while and they ask me what kinds of books can they read in order to obtain the same knowledge that I have or who can they listen to who may have said the things that I've been saying or what seminary can they go to in order to hear these kinds of things that I've been speaking about or what synagogues can they go to to perhaps learn from the people there but the reality is is that much of what I know about my God are, are things that he has shown me in light of my own personal life circumstances. And so when I speak about him, I truly am speaking from the bottom of my heart and not from the top of my head or from the depths of some textbook that I was able to study and analyze and extract this kind of information from. I'm telling you this from the bottom of my heart, that the life circumstances that you get to experience are circumstances that he will use in order to show you more about who he is. And in this way, when he says that he will cause all things to work together, that he will cause all things to end up in good for those who love and trust in him, that all things will work out well, I believe that the way that I measure that, the way that I truly measure that, is in my discovery of who he is as a person. So when I see him say, do not fear, for I will not forsake you, I do not see that as do not fear, because I will always provide you with the food that you need to eat or the shelter to dwell in. No, I don't see that at all. What I see is that he himself will never leave me, especially in those circumstances of struggle that we can experience in daily life.